Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 40k podcast for the Sudbury community, Season 3. So, while we're waiting on more 9th edition information drop, which by the time that you hear this, there may be some more, but they just actually released some information today saying that, hey, command points, you're going to be generating those every turn now. So, hey, there we go. Something that was kind of suspected, but was never, had yet to been confirmed. And they said that we're going to get more information on command point generation uh, throughout the week. So I'm looking forward to that, trying to give you some better info as we get it. For right now, though, figure that, you know what, it's a good time to chat about what I like about certain armies what I don't like about others. And this isn't really meant to be like, this isn't a great one. This is honestly like, hey, I think this is really cool. Um, and I hope you guys do too. And then this other stuff, which is like, hey, this is where I think this force maybe doesn't do exactly what you're hoping to. This is what I find annoying about it. Uh, this is what I like and what, what I love and what I hate about all the different factions in 40k. Now, I am just going to be talking about the regular uh, factions, uh, and by that I mean I'm not going to be talking about any um, of those very, very, very niche factions, like rogue traders, or servants of the abyss, or um, unaligned, <laughs> which are technically legitimate factions in the game, but I mean, not really. So. Sorry guys, you didn't make the list. I'm also not going to be talking about um, Forge World exclusive factions, uh, which are, Forge World has a number of forces that you can get that are exclusive to Forge World. You can't, um, they, they don't show up in the regular books, they don't show up in regular White Dwarf, they only show up in the uh, Imperial Armor books, and that's things like um, Renegades, Chaos Renegades, or Renegades and Heretics, I should say, that's their official name. Uh, or things like how the Astra Militarum have a unique um, regiment for the... Uh, oh shoot, what are they called? They're a bunch of guys that live on a very not nice planet, and they just send their guys in to die a bunch. Krieg? I think it's Krieg. Anyway, and it's going to be in alphabetical order. So Adeptus Custodes, you are first on the list. So, what do I love about this Custodes? Well, I have to say, I absolutely love that this is an army. Oh, also, this is also... I'm, I'm trying to try to keep myself to just um, mechanical things about these factions. Because I could go on and on about so many... So many of my favorite things about a faction are their aesthetics. And a few factions, some of those things are my least favorite thing about them. But that's very, very, very personal. Right? So, like, for myself, I don't care about the aesthetic of the Tau. I don't like anime. I, I, I don't like Japanimation, stuff like that. But there's a lot of people that really, really do. Like, they love that. And for them, if they want to play that faction because that's their look and they really connect with that look, then all the power in the world to them, and I don't want to rain on their parade at all. You go be... Um, you know, whatever 
anime character you want to be. You can be whatever you want. <laughs> they said I could be anything, so I became an anime character. But whatever you want to do. So, Adeptus Custodes. The thing I really love about the Custodes is the fact that it's an army of HQ models. Every single guy in this in this force is comparable to the or better than the HQ units of some other factions. Um, all the HQ options for a faction like the Guard, and then like even some other ones that are like, hey, these guys here are pretty. You know, these guys are here. They're they're not bad. They're they're somewhat strong in the right circumstance. And it's like, yeah, our base guy, he's better than that. And, and he, he's our minimum troop. We can't even take a guy that's worse than him. And it makes sense because it's a, a whole army full of, of uh, not just base marines, but custodians, people that have been sworn to protect the emperor that have set foot in his holy palace and which each of them could easily take up the reins and the uh, responsibilities and the duties of a planetary governor of a sector governor. Um, so, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, the thing that I dislike about them is the fact that almost, despite the fact that every single guy, even their basic troop, is this cool HQ guy with like, you know, two up save and a four up and vulnerable and high strength and toughness and lots of... Uh, and, awesome. Uh, no one plays their troops. Um, because it's so ridiculously expensive to. And you really, so and, and this, the, their troops which are, remember, they are like HQs, like a foot trotting Terminator armor wearing space marine captain. Okay, that's like their basic troop. And you have a squad of these guys, and they have to just walk across the battlefield to get in, in to get up to your opponent. Uh, they don't, you know, they 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 won't be in necessarily in a transport. You could, you can give them transports, you know, land raiders. But again, they're just they're they're walking for the most part, and they have a limited threat range. And so there's a chance that you are not using those points towards anything. And a just minimum size squad of these guys are so many points. And so that's a large part of your force that's just not doing anything. Um, which is the, like, again, it makes sense in, from a lore perspective. These guys are so important. They can't afford just to be sitting around holding objectives. They're, they're, that's not what they're built for. And unfortunately, that really, really, really shows in the gameplay um, where people almost always just take their bikes and their vehicles because you just you can't afford to have these guys standing around not doing, not participating. Uh, which is really unfortunate because they have, they have glorious, glorious infantry models. Uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. You are next. What do... I'm going to start... I'm going to reverse this because I'm hoping to end... I want to end with what I love. I don't want to end with what I hate. So I'm going to try to keep reversing this as we go through. Um, I hate that the Mechanicus have really, really, really bad relics. Um, yeah, I don't think it really makes any sense at all to me. I kind of actually feel like the faction is a little... 
not well designed. Um, now maybe that's really going to be changing with the Engine War books coming out. But one thing I love about the idea of the Mechanicus, and you know what? I'll, so I'll, I'll go, I'll go into what I love about them too, because the two of them really work together. I love the idea. I like the mechanics of activating programs for them. Uh, that's not what they call it ever in the books um, or in the rules. The closer they get, you know, you have your canticles, and you have the um, and you have the robots. And maybe the robots they do call them programs. I'm not too sure. Anyway, point is, it's a really cool idea. It's a really cool mechanic where it's like, okay, my forces aren't very good, but I have these different subsets of rules that I can tack onto all of them. But I have to tack it onto all of them. And sometimes it'll be good to be in one set, but it'll. But my guys are are very weak. So if they're engaged in a way that I wasn't expecting or they're doing something I don't really want them to be doing, then I end up doing things very suboptimally. But once I am in that situation where um, I'm doing things optimally, then they are striking above their weight class. And I like that you have this on-off kind of thing about effectively programs. Uh, so I think that's that's really cool. I think that's, that's a great way to go. I wish they kind of had a little bit more of that. Uh, right now, Mechanicus, they are, I feel they're a little, they're a little too good when they're not in their preferred activation. Um, and I'm not saying that they are good, but I'm saying that I think when they're not in their preferred activation, they should be worse. And then when they're in their correct activation, they should be better. You know what I mean? Kind of like... I guess you could say, um, I, I'd say the really good example is the castle and robots. When they're good, they are phenomenal. But when they're bad, they are atrocious, right? Because they have like the, the double guns and everything and you get them in close combat and now they're really, really stuck. And that really sucks because they can't move because they're in the double shooting mode. That's the kind of thing I mean. I really like that for for the Mechanicus. It's like, when they're good, they're really good, but when they're bad, they're really bad. That they are inflexible, like they can be flexible, given the time to be flexible. But if you can engage them in multiple different ways too quickly, you can overwhelm that, you can overwhelm them by making them be showing just how actually inflexible they are. And I think to me that sounds like such a mechanicus way of thinking, right? That they're like, they're so robotically minded and focused. I think it's really cool. And so the relics are really, really, really counter to a lot of the things they have. Their relics should be some of the most insane things the Imperium has to offer. Things that only the mechanicus would trust, be trusted with, or the only thing, the, they think they're the only ones that should have access to things of this wild and unpredictable nature. These th should be things that uh, make you say, okay, well, here's my program, and this relic really helps during this program. And then this relic turns on for helping out during this other program. And there should be this uh, work like that, but it makes no sense that Mechanicus relics are some of the worst out there, and apparently, from what I'm hearing, uh, if there are any relics for Mechanicus in Engine War, um, none of them are good. And that's what, so that's why I've heard. Maybe they're not even any new relics for mechanics.
this. So that just strikes me as really, really, really odd. It kind of seems like it should be the opposite. Rather than just having things that are just basically good, and they get better with programs, and then relics that you don't care about because all the guys are, are highly equipped. No, no. It's a hierarchy here, man. Like, you, you need to prove yourself. So you gotta... If you have a relic, you've proven yourself. And it's really awesome. So there we go. Uh, next up, we've got the Astra Militarum. So maybe I'll try to switch here, because this should be... Um, this, this should be easier to sw switch that around on. Uh, the thing I dislike about the Astra Militarum is... I really dislike... I'm going to say... I'm going to harp on the movement here. But it kind of applies to a few other things. Uh, I dislike how they can go from being... One thing... To being very much something else. Um, specifically, I'm talking about speed. And the orders of move, move, move. And... Uh, I don't know what the vehicle equivalent is for the tank commanders. But the same one. The idea that it's like, okay, here are these guys that are just humans, and then suddenly they are out-moving frickin' howling banshees because, you know, some guy shouted at them. Um, they're outrunning space marines. Again, that makes very little sense to me. Uh, they're out... Because space marines are superhuman, and these guys are faster, <laughs> and they're just basic people. Uh... You know, uh, tanks that are, all right, you know, I move 10 inches and I can advance, um, you know, during that move. And then I really, because I really need to get somewhere, I order myself to advance again. And now you get to move again and you get to, you know, you get the benefit of that. So you're moving minimum 22 inches upwards of 32 which is, you're, mo you're moving faster than a hover tank that's going flat out. You know, an alien-designed hover tank that is, you know, so ridiculously fast. You're, you're outrunning, you're, out, you're going faster than the minimum speed of some aircraft. And this is on this lumbering behemoth. Like, it has a rule called lumbering behemoth. And yet this thing goes faster than some of the fastest vehicles in the game. It just, it's, it makes no sense to me that that should happen. Um, but the thing that I love about them, which is kind of hilarious, is I love Lehman Rust tanks. I do. Oh my god, they're, the, they're just one of the coolest um, vehicles in 40k. Lots of guns. Really tough. And they're just a brick. Like, they just look like a little brick on wheels. Not a little brick. They look like a brick on wheels. And it is glorious. It is fantastic. And it, it saddens me that the tank commander is just so much better. And they get all these extra things that just don't... It feels like Lehman Rusting should just be hoping to smother their opponents with a weight of fire. Whereas the tank commanders are issuing orders. Right, that is kind of their more, more of their focus. I think if the tank commanders had the same ballistic skill, um, or maybe they had a better ballistic skill, but they could, they only could issue the orders to other people. I think it would be really, really cool. But I, I love Lehman Ross tanks. I love, love, love them. Uh, but I, I do hate how fast that they can go. Uh, next up, 
we have the Asuriani. Oh, that's right. We are going with the copyrightable names today. Asuriani, also known as Craft World Eldar. And when you hear, hear people talking about Eldar, this is really who they're talking about. Um, so the thing that I love about the Eldar is their, the, the newer way that Games Workshop has been able to improve their deadliness with their shooting in a way that makes sense for the Eldar um, whilst not being overpowered. And that's by making a lot of their big guns AP minus four, which I think is really cool because now in the game, uh, some of the really strong stuff out there is AP minus three. And AP minus three is cool because if you're a space marine on it, there's a one in six chance that your armor is able to tank it. Which, and again, and if you have a two up save, you, it's like you have a five up, right? Which is your invulnerable save anyways with the normal Terminator. Um, you know, so it, that kind of stuff where it's like, all right, you are, uh, you have a high armor penetration, but a lot of the Eldar stuff is AP minus four, which means that a regular space ring gets no save. Um, a Terminator, that five up invulnerable now matters. Um, you know, a lot of vehicles, which normally get at least a small chance to save with AP minus three, do not get any chance to save with AP minus four. So it's that little bit of a difference, which you just feel in the sense that you get the chance versus not even getting the chance. Uh, gain a, a hope to roll versus not having any hope to roll. So um, I think that's really, really cool. I think that's a good way for them to do it without making the weapons uh, really crazy strong, which again is not really the thing that Eldar is supposed to be. Eldar aren't supposed to be, and this plays into my, what I hate about the faction. Eldar have a certain idea about them that they're not supposed to be overly strong, they're not supposed to be overly tough, they're just supposed to be tricksy and outmaneuvering, and you can't quite get to them, you can't quite engage them, right? That's the main reason why they are so potent, is that they got good firepower. And when they do bring stuff to bear, it can really, really hurt. It cuts into you. It cuts through your defenses. Meanwhile, they are using uh, defenses more than just your regular stuff in order to avoid harm. And uh, unfortunately, this is what I really hate about the Eldar, is that this is this is just a blatant lie now. It, it is. It was kind of a lie before. It's just a blatant lie now. Asuriani are incredibly resistant. Outside, literally three models of the Codex. Like, oh, there's almost no unit that doesn't have that. Most of their units have a three-up armor save, which is really tough. You know, that is not easy to punch your way through. A lot of their units, a lot of their units have high toughness. These are, these are not fragile space elves. These guys are, they have come to devastate their opponents and to take no names. Like, there is, there is, oh, it's so hard to try to kill an Alatok flyer that has spirit stones while it's over 12 inches away. Because it's like, well, it's minus two to hit, which I get, ninth edition is going to be changing that, probably capped at minus one now. Still, it's going to be, so it's minus two to hit, which is just, 
you're, you're hitting with very little. And then it's still toughness six or seven. So, you know, you're still... All of your anti... You need the anti-tank gun still. It's not like, you know, your regular small arms fire is going to do anything. Um, and it still has a three-up armor save. Or an invault save. Or both. And it's got a chance to negate it with a feel no pain. It's just... It is an incredible amount of resilience on these things. So much so that that it was a uh, classic list uh, that people were taking to tournaments because it's just, it's so tough. And that, on, that really is uh, the potent Eldar lists always are things that are tough. They have a high firepower whilst not being easy to kill. And not because you can't get to them, but simply because they are they just have they have pure beef. Uh, you know, they are they there is there is a they've eaten a lot of McRibs. <laughs> they, they they are they are chunky. They are tough to get through. Um next up Blood Angels. Ooh. Blood Angels. They are so cool. But you know what I hate about them? And this is this is kind of more of an unfortunate thing. I hate that the Death Company um they're not bad. But I hate that you have to spend points for them. Uh, and I don't mean like you should get them for free totally or anything like that or that they should cost less. No, they, I, I think they are pointed rather appropriately um, for what they can do. They, they can do a lot. What I hate is that uh, the way you generate them just feels so counter to the fluff. You, you take them in your list. You plan on having a certain amount of death company. And that, to me, strikes very much against what the death company... What I Now, mind you, this is because I started in third, and in that's what we got to see happen in third was that you randomly drew your units into the death company that they were not necessarily um, what you wanted and it really hurt in some cases some cases you did not want to be losing um, your sergeant or your heavy weapons dudes from your devastator squads yet one of them suddenly gets really angry and decides that they have to go uh, fight uh, they have to go. They have to go fight the enemy in close combat because they're just they've succumbed to the black rage. Meanwhile, you're feeling great when one of your tactical squad guys with just a basic boulder join the death company because again they are now being equipped with uh, even stronger weapons. There they they gain a bunch of stuff. I like the idea of a death company that gets drawn from your forces that you have brought into the game. So the more blood angels you bring. The bigger your death company can potentially be, and that you have to find out during the course of the game. I think that's really cool. I'd love to see that come back. It's probably too many dice rolls, and that's why they, they didn't do it. And it's also very, very questionable. You can end up with a very large death company, you can end up with a tiny death company, and it's hard to see if that... Like, is that a good system or not? I don't know, but I don't... I just don't like spending regular points for them. It makes me quite unhappy. But the thing I love about Dark Angels, not Dark Angels, ooh, oh man, I'm going to get heat for that. Blood Angels 
is that they get uh, bonus combat. Plus one to wound is just so good. It is, in my opinion, one of the strongest rules that you can have in 40k is getting plus one to wound, and they all but angels get it. It's fantastic. It lets you hit in a whole other weight category that you normally couldn't even touch. So I think that's really awesome. If you want to play blood angels, to me, that's the reason to play them. All right, well, that's going to be it for now. We'll get back with the next page uh, next time, maybe tomorrow morning. So thank you for listening, and we'll continue with part two later. Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, part two of the Love and Hate episode. Okay, so let's let's keep going with this, because I was having a lot of fun describing these armies, and I think you were having some fun listening to them. <laughs> so, um, after Blood Angels, I think that's the last one I was talking about, I think I also kind of wrap them up a little extra fast just because I was getting to my destination um, and I was just talking about how one of the things I love about them is that plus one to wound which is just so great it's a lot of fun it is a, it's a potent mechanic that like I said changes uh, when I say changes the uh, class of enemy that you can go up against I think I've mentioned it before but it means that uh, things that were previously, like, just totally beyond your ability to really have an impact on, suddenly you very much can. It's the difference of going from wounding on a 6-up to wounding on a 5-up, which is going to double the amount of wounds you get through. It's a huge difference. Um, going from a 5-up to 4-up still means a 50% increase in how much damage you're going to put through which is a phenomenal amount. Uh, the only one where it, it honestly doesn't matter too too much, the one where it doesn't matter at all is when you're going to wound on a 2-up already. But that happens so infrequently that who cares. Um, or when you're going... Even then, on a going from a 3-up to a 2-up isn't a huge deal. But again, that's not... It, it's still going to be an increase... And against those targets, those kinds of targets that are reliant, that have toughness 3, getting through just a, f a couple extra wounds can make all the difference. So, I mean, it, it, it's a, it, it's very, very potent. Um, it means that guys that could normally only attack infantry, light infantry, can suddenly now hit heavier things. Guys that before couldn't really engage bikers because that toughness 5. Suddenly now we're dealing very respectable damage to them. So it, it is a, it's a very potent ability that lets you access uh, new enemies that before may have been just beyond your reach. Uh, so the next up is Chaos Demons. Now, the thing I love about Chaos Demons, and that I, I mean like that I really like about them is also the thing I hate, because it's just it's so much not... Like, it, it, it would work if not for the demons as a book as a whole. And that's Demonic Ritual. 
Um, I love Demonic Ritual. I think it is a really cool ability. I am specifically saying that it is Chaos Demons, even though it shows up in the Chaos Space Marine book. Um, because it, if you use Demonic Ritual, the only thing you can summon are the demons. You can't summon um, the even. You can't summon units from the Chaos Space Marine book that have the demon keyword. They have to have. They have to be uh, that 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 true demon kind. Um, and I think it's really cool because it's very fluffy with, uh, what Chaos has done in the past by being able to summon units, uh, Chaos Demon units to the battlefield, and they held them in reserves, and that's how you brought them out and stuff like that, which was, uh, always hard to do. It, they're, they're, I mean, not hard, but it was always challenging to make it work. Um, and so I'm glad that this isn't easy. And the cost is a real cost, but it's not actually, it's not that hard if you aim low. If you aim for something big, you're unlikely to get it. And that also kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, setting aside reinforcement points to do this is good. Uh, but it, you end up honestly just trying to get a single unit and... The only thing you can really do is say, okay, well, I want this one unit for this one plan for this one thing. When really, the ability feels like it should be a toolbox kind of thing. So, uh, buy a toolbox, people that play Magic the Gathering, they'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, a toolbox is where you have some ability that lets you grab some other ability. Um best, in Magic, the best example of this is the card, um, Demonic Tutor, which is a very, very low-cost card. It is not, doesn't see print any longer, of course, because it's just it's way too powerful uh, for uh, as a toolbox, but generally, uh, so it lets you look through your deck and grab any one card and add it to your hand. Um, in a way, you could say, well, you're paying two extra mana for whatever. You're paying more resources for that card that you want to get, so it's worth it. But it's so more than worth it because the right ability at the right time is a hugely powerful thing um, because you can tweak it. You can, you can maximize its value just so much more. Um, and that's worth a lot. That, that, that's worth way more than the cost that you, you have in this case. Um, so this ability, since when you use the reinforcement points in the, for this ability, um, you don't have to declare with the unit that you're trying to get. You, you just you roll the dice, and you end up with the unit you end up with. Um... And you can, you can choose from... The dice roll is the constraint on your choice. So you can choose, you know, probably things within, you know, the well, definitely power one, but I don't think there's anything power one. Uh, all the way up generally to about power seven. You can very reliably get past seven. Uh, you know, there's still very good chance of, of getting up to up to about a 10. Um, past 10, 
you're starting to look very unlikely to get it. So, you know, you, you don't have access to the full codex. But it, I don't even think it would matter, because um, nothing in the codex is very different. And that's why I, I hate it. It's because this should be getting you... This is a toolbox ability, <clears throat> but it's a toolbox that has nothing in it. Or it has just a, a single tool in it. So um, you're never going to be really without that. You know, uh, if you summon a unit of... Whether you summon a, a unit of Plague Bears or... or, or uh, not Berserkers, but uh, Blood Letters, or Seekers, or Demonettes, or any of these things, um, by the time you summon them and bring them out, you know, you, you honestly just have, you, you have barely two choices. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'll summon a, a unit of Nurglings so that they can sit on an objective. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll summon something that can do close combat. There's almost no option to summon something that's really going to be shooting at all. And the shooting is very, 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 very low-powered. And you have to to get any real benefit. And this is the thing. If you get any real benefit, um, the Demon's Book requires that you have your demons alongside other support characters and stuff like that. So, again, you you have to build your army a very certain way, and once you get into the battle, um, you no longer are looking at a choice. It's no longer a toolbox, right? Because you're not, you're not thinking, okay, well, in this situation I do this, this situation I do this. No. You're just like, okay, well, I have my army, and some of it is in reserves. And that's it. So, and it's not a it's not the guaranteed reserves as if you had just bought the unit previously and spent some points to some command points to put it in deep strike. Um, so yeah, it, it's just it's just a real challenge. Um, it's something that I, I, I if they had if demons had some had a basic troop unit or had a, a, a low power guy that was really shooting based. You can bring in flamers, right? Um, I don't really tend to hear many people doing that, but yeah, like if you had a few more things that were a little bit more shooting base, um, people keep saying that you know if you want demons to have guns, which some demons should have guns, you can do. Uh, Games Workshop could release a cool guy with inspiration from the Doom video game universe, where it's demons with guns for hands, right? That they just are melded into that. And I think would be totally fine. It would be, it would be totally, it'd be wicked. Alrighty, next up. Chaos Space Marines. Well, you know, the Chaos Wagon. Um, so, the thing that I love about... I actually had a hard time with Chaos Space Marines. Uh, even though they are one of my favorite armies. And I think that's partially because there's... <clears throat> right right now, there's not a lot that I love about them. Um, 
There's some things I there's lots of things I like. But there's nothing mechanically that I really love too much. And I think, hey, you know, that kind of makes sense. They, they are a bunch of uh uh, they are a bunch of, of, of raping mad psychos with daddy issues. Um, so that problem, you know, that kind of works into the motif that they're bitter. But I was able to identify one thing, and it's something that I, I, I do love, and it's specific from the uh, Chaos Space Marine range, and that is the uh, Hellstalker, the uh, Lord Discordant on a Hellstalker. I, I think it's a really great model that it's a great unit with some great rules. I, I like how Chaos Space Marines have, um, do have a, a bend of, hey, we have these very, very, very potent characters because it's such a cutthroat um, force faction to be a part of. And so only the most p powerful uh, warriors survive, and they they achieve extreme extreme hot, uh, heights of lethality and power and stuff like that. Whereas the rank and file don't have that. Um, and the Chaos Lord on Hellstalker has a lot of of awesome powers. is absolutely brutally powerful, um, but at the same time has just a couple weaknesses that if you exploit them, you kind of get into a little bit of a blind spot of it and uh, really can hurt. Now, one of those is probably going away with this new addition where, like, if you're in a building, you're kind of safe. Uh, but that was, like, one of the things that uh, Lord Discordant just couldn't stand was enemies in buildings because it couldn't engage them. And that's a pretty big blind spot. But you know what? I thought it also worked really well with what the unit was. Um... One of the things I hate about the army is, mechanically, uh, is that it has a lot of, um, it has a really bad tendency to have uh, conflicting ideas of what a unit's role should be. And I don't mean like players don't know but rather the design of the unit is such that it's trying to be like multiple things all at the same time. And so it ends up just being uh, overpriced for what it is capable of doing. Uh, I think uh, uh, the prime example of this is the Chaos Defiler. So the, the Defiler is big walking crab guy with a big chest cannon. He's got two he's got uh, two other arms that have usually guns that they can also be given whips and he's got two big crab claw hands and it's just not a great model i mean it it's not a great unit it has a, a low intrinsic ballistic skill it's only ballistic skill 4 uh, and if it moves it's it's heavy guns then are only hitting on five, so you got to be doing, you got to you got to be trying to buff it in order to make it um, not just terribly suck. Um, and it's still just a one-shot battle cannon. It's not the double-shot battle cannons like you're seeing all over the place. Uh, and it's not doesn't have a bunch of a close combat attacks. 
with its crab claw hands. And those attacks aren't especially accurate. And it's tough. It's a big vehicle with a lot of, it's got a, a lot of wounds. It's got a surprising number of wounds. Um, and a demon save and it regenerates wounds. But that's thing. So it's, it's got lots of stuff. And a lot of powerful stuff. But it's got to pay for all that. And all these things <clears throat> that <clears throat> that it has, it doesn't have the, the great, great parts of them. It's not Toughness 8. It's not a high ballistic skill. Not a high weapon skill. It's not a high number of attacks. So it, it's missing a lot of the core parts of what make a lot of these powerful things actually powerful. Meanwhile, it still has them and has to pay points on them. And so it ends up just costing way too much for what it does. Because it doesn't really know what it wants to be doing. Do Does it want to be sitting in the backfield? Does it want to be moving up and, and getting into combat? Does it want to be avoiding combat? Does, you know, it, it, it tries to do everything, so it does nothing. And, you know, another good example of that, but this one is kind of across both Chaos and Space Marine lines, is a basic Land Raider, which has a transport capacity and las cannons and suffers a penalty when it moves and shoots. Um, but at least it has a higher ballistic skill to start with. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like where that's kind of like, well, you kind of want kind of want it to be sitting back so that it's gave the maximum effectiveness out of its heavy weaponry, which at this time of the game just doesn't seem as heavy. Um, or you get it moving up, but then it's not being as good of a shooting vehicle, which is what you're paying a lot of points for. Hmm. Meanwhile, still, it's not still not crazy tough. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a challenge. And Chaos has just a, they have a bunch of units that kind of fit that motif. Where it, it it is good, but it's just got so many problems that get in the way of it being actually effective. And so I do hate that about it. Uh, Dark Angels. Ooh, they, these were a hard one because um, the part I hate about them really does get in the way of a lot of things. And that is... Um, a general blandness of the faction w when trying to identify it uh, mechanically from other space marines. Like, they have stuff, but they don't have it in the same way that other armies, other spa special space marine factions do. So, like, you know, when you see Death Guard, you know it's you, you, you have, I should say, you know, in fact, that's the kind of thing, when you see Death Guard, you really don't know what to expect, because this is not something that any Space Marine player but Blood Angels can feel. When you see um, Thunderwolf Cavalry, you can't, uh, you don't know what this unit's going to do, because again, it's something that just no other unit can feel. Um... The Dark Angels have a Dark Shroud? 
you know? It's not really that... It's a, it's a land speeder thing that makes other things harder to hit. Okay. Hey, like, it just doesn't... It, it feels... Uh, not... It, it doesn't pop out to me like these other faction special units do. And I kind of wish they would. I kind of really wish they would. Uh, but one unit that they have that I do really love, and it does pop out to me, and I think it, if only because of its color scheme and just how much they've... Just the... the again, this is more from the historical experience of, of the army more than the modern experience of the army is uh, the Deathwing. I really, really like the Dark Angels Deathwing because Deathwing Terminators with that cool white armor and it's like, alright, well, the, this is our first company. Our first company is all in Terminator armor. It's just really, really cool. And I, I, I'm terrified of a Raven Guard by coming up, putting down Teleport Homer and then bam, Death Guard Terminator show up. Alright, well that's going to be enough for this episode. We'll continue on. I had another part. I didn't get through a lot of these because I spent a lot of time talking about the ones I did. Um, so, next part will be coming up later. Keep on listening. Alright. Welcome to part three. I don't know why I made that sound because, I mean, I do have overlay of music that comes in afterwards. Alright, let's just keep going. Uh, Dark Angels I did. Alright, Death Guard. What do I love about the Death Guard? Well, I love stinky, smelly auras. I think it's a really great ability that they have, and it's something that they should be doing more of. Um, Death Guard have some ability to do a, uh, or if you're close to them, specifically Mortarian. Mortarian's got got the most famous example, so maybe I should I sh should be mentioning him. Uh, he has an ability that if you are within, I think it's seven or nine inches of him, um, seven is most likely, just because that's Nurgle's magic number there. Um, then. At the start of every fight phase, there's a chance that you take a mortal wound for being close by. And it's a pretty high chance. So, like, if it's on a 4-up, you take more than just a mortal wound, you take D3. So when you get Mortarian right into the thick of an army, if they are all bunched up together, you can cause uh, a truly astounding amount of damage just through this uh, aura of death that surrounds him. It is, uh, it is very cool. It is a, it is potent. Uh, and other Death Guard get this through the use of the, uh, not just the regular Chaos Lord, it has to be the actual, like, Death Guard guy in the Terminator armor, um, that has the big axe. He gives that aura as well to your Death Guard units, except that it's a much, much, much worse version it's only on a six up. I like the concept of it because it gives uh, a whole different stake to keeping away from them. 
Now, I think they could really do a lot of cool things with this, especially if they made it an army that you wanted to close in on. That it was like, they have really good shooting or something like that, and you so you want to time up in combat. But the, and, or may, you know, they don't even have necessarily fantastic shooting. They got good shooting. Um, but they're not able to normally leave combat. They don't just have those abilities to get out of there. But you, so you want to time up, but at the same time, if you time up, then you're going to be taking this potential extra damage. I think would be really cool. Or just to zone out areas uh, would be really, really neat. It's like, hey, I can't go here because they've made it really stinky here. And I, if I go there, my guys will start dying. That's a That would be a very cool ability. So the thing that I dislike about them um, are the Plague Marines. Plague Marines are just not very good. They're Space Marines that have one, other, one extra toughness and a 5-up Feel No Pain. Um, I should say, they're not, not just Space Marines, they are Tactical Marines that have Toughness 5 and a 5-up Feel No Pain. So, uh, they are tougher than a Tactical Marine, but that's not really saying a whole heck of a lot. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, that's one thing going for them. However, uh, they don't really have a whole lot of offensive output, so they're not they're not really doing much with that additional toughness. Um, meanwhile, they are still so expensive that you're not really just wanting to put them onto objectives and sitting there. And they don't really have... So they can get to objective and sit there, but they can't do anything while they're sitting there. It's not even like, you know, intercessors or something, which again, I really like intercessors because they are tough. Intercessors are tough and they are deadly because they'll be at least generally AP minus one and in the right doctrine AP minus two and they have a high enough range that they can just sit there and still be effective so like that's why intercessors are really cool um, but plague marines just aren't when, they, when they're sitting on an objective they're just they're not really taking part and they're not actually tough enough to really survive anything and they are still a lot of points to do that so it just they just don't work um, and despite them, really, they should be kind of this premier unit in the Codex. Uh, just not a whole lot of things actually really work that well with them. You know, the Plague Surgeon, again, this is something that you would think Death Guard would have really good, you know, things that are like Apothecaries. Um, but they don't. They, they have, they have nothing. They have almost nothing. They have, I think it gives a reroll ones on it, and, uh, I had a five up. Somebody did the math, and, and you're, you're you're getting almost no additional survivability out of it. You're getting extremely extremely small amount. You got to lose something like twenty guys um, before you really start to notice the difference. And even then, you got to lose something. You got to lose something like maybe thirty or forty of them before the guy makes his points back. It, it's just. And that's just to make the points back. Like, that that's not... You're not really doing enough. So that's why I don't like them. Death Watch. Alright. I think Death Watch are so cool. But I gotta start in reverse order here. Like I said, keep on shifting things around back and forth. Uh, the thing that I really dislike about Death Watch is that they have an extremely limited range. If you are playing Death Watch, you better like playing with um, basic squads. You better like playing with your troops. Because you got um, you got nothing. 
outside of that. You got almost nothing outside of that. Uh, that their their main squad is really 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 cool. In fact, it's the thing I love about Death Watch, is just how well you can mix and match things. How well you can do, um, just how how good that basic squad is, and how many neat little rules you can take advantage of. So it's like, okay, well I have my basic intercessors, and they're anything but basic because they have just all kinds. They they, they are all veterans. They have all the special gimmicks. Um, and you can take, you know, a bike with them, and now you have a guy that's got an extra wound, and he also has, you know, maybe a different kind of weapon, and he gives them, uh, I think, the ability, he gives them some other kind of ability, as long as he's part of the squad. And you've got the Terminator, who now it's like, okay, the Terminator here has an invulnerable save, which is really cool. And he also has a two-up armor save, which again is very potent against the right kind of weapon. Uh, it makes it, it is a very useful thing to have one or two of these guys in the squad, right? Uh, so you can, you can do some of these cool things with these guys um, by mixing and matching that main, main squad. But at the same time, that's really all you get is that one kind of squad, uh, some HQs. And the the Corvus Black Star. Uh, now you can take some other things and give them some Death Watch upgrades. You know they get access to, to land raiders and you know rhinos and some other transports and stuff like that. But uh, there's again there's there's little reason to take a lot of these things outside of the core uh, units. And that's not counting Forge World. I don't like to count Forge World for those kinds of things. Uh, so maybe Forge World opens them up into something a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fully fleshed out. But the basic codex kind of doesn't. Oh, but there are so many cool things about Death Watch. I'd, I'd love to one day do a Death Watch army. The Drukhari. Ooh, yes. The evil space elves. The dark Eldar, as they are, you will most often hear them called. I really love... Uh, there's a lot to like about these guys, and they are they are so evil and insidious, and nothing really does it better for them than their main ability, Power from Pain. I think it's a little misnamed, um, but it's just carried over from a time where you did you caused pain on the battlefield, and then they got stronger from it. And I can't I think it was even like it didn't really matter whether it was your forces or your opponent's forces. So a little little corn thing going on there, but. Uh, uh, the idea that they got their guys got progressively better over the course of the battle so that um, whatever was left towards the end of the game was harder to deal with than the things that were out there at the start of the game and that is a very uh, that's that's again I like these things that change the dynamic of the game and the Necrons almost, uh, we'll get to them in a bit, but one of the, one things for the Necrons being we'll be back, uh, or now Resurrection Protocols didn't make my list here, so I feel fine saying that it changes kind of the nature of the game at the end, where the early stuff like can still take out these squads, but towards the end of the game, killing off a Necron squad is really hard, because you don't have much left. Well, Dark Eldar kind of do something similar. They don't just get back up, but they, they start becoming... The guys that are left are always, always seem like they're the deadliest guys, and they always seem like they're extra, like you're, 
oh my god, I can't, I can't deal with these guys. And that's because they all get better. All of them. So whoever is left is going to be the good combat guy. <laughs> Not any of them. So it, it, it's uh, that's a really cool ability. Uh, the thing that I hate about them, and this is me just kind of being salty on a bunch, is that feel no pain right at the start of the game. It's a good. I do. I I like that. That the best ability of it is right at the front. I actually really like that about the power from pain ability. It's not locking it behind so you don't ever get a feel bad. It's like, no, you started the game and you have what's likely the very best ability already set up for you. So I actually, I actually like that. Um, but I hate that. I find that a bunch of times um, when I'm playing against opponents that are playing Dark Eldar, uh, they are, they, their dice just seem gifted. Uh, to roll sixes on those feel no pains and it is so goddamn annoying <laughs> when i am dealing i have there's there's a little venom that's got five wounds and i deal seven wounds to it and it saves it stays alive because they passed three of their six up feel no pains randomly i honestly don't get it i i've been playing in some uh narrative matches with High Fleet Leviathan. I gotta jump through my my main ability with that High Fleet. My High Fleet ability is get a 6 of Feel No Pain, but only to units that are within Synapse, not even Synapse range, that are within 6 inches of a Synapse creature. So, just being in Synapse range isn't enough. Um, I gotta jump through hoops to get that 6 of Feel No Pain. And I, I've, I've passed in all the games I've played with them, which has been maybe 5 games. I think I've passed maybe a total of four feel no pain saves like two in one game one in another and one in another one and every other feel no pain save i've been called to make i've had entire games i've I had a thousand point game with dante i did not pass and despite every single wound that he caused to my army i did not pass a single feel no pain save uh, every, every time that he made a roll against me i, I made sure my guys were keeping in that range so i always had uh, a chance for that role with like with one exception and uh not a single one and so when i haven't ever seen that from my dark eldar phone so i'm that's just me being salty on that because honestly there's not a whole lot i don't like about the dark eldar uh mechanically speaking mechanically i think they are they are very it's a solid force with a lot of interesting things to do gene stealer cult so I love my Gene Stealer Cult. They're so... They are... They're a wonderful force. Uh, when I started in 3rd edition, I read about these guys, the Gene Stealer Cult, and I wanted to run an army of them, but there weren't any rules for them. Uh, actually, I think some rules got published in the White Dwarf, but uh, I never saw that one, really, until far later in my life. And it was past 3rd edition by that point, so you really couldn't do it anyways. And it was in, you would have had to have custom made all of your own models. It was back when Games Workshop had all kinds of things that uh, there were no models, but there still were rules for them. Anyway, so Gene Stealer Cult became a thing again, and I, I dive, dove right in. And one of the things that I have an issue with is uh, the Brood Brothers of, uh, of them. I, now, Brood Brothers are um, they're a pain, not even a, a painful necessity, they make a lot of sense for the army 
because they've infested these imperial arm, these imperial forces, right? The, these these worlds of the imperium, and so naturally they have also found their way into the military a bunch of times, and so there are whole regiments that are formed entirely from gene stealer cults, cultists, and I think that's really cool um, from a fluff way. What I don't like is that. Uh, the way that Brood Brothers works, and just how, honestly, how good the uh, Astra Militarum faction... Like, it, it's not that the Astra Militarum faction is that good compared to the Gene Cult, it's just that it has all kinds of things that... Or not all kinds of things, it has some very specific things that the cult is very specifically in dire need of, uh, such as some very resilient vehicles, which uh, again, Brood Brothers uh, not Brood Brothers, uh, the regular g Cult has uh, no access to um, and again, here's another thing g Cult vehicles don't get access to cult traits at all at all, and so when you're like, well I can take a Brood Brother uh, I can take an Astro Militarium unit and I oh, I don't get the trait, I, I can't choose a, a trait for them Right? I can't choose uh, a, an Astro Militarum trait. Your trait is that your Brood Brothers. Actually, a brood, the Brood Brothers do get the Brood Brothers vehicles do get a trait. They get the, if they are entirely Brood Brothers attachment, you get a plus one leadership on your guys. So uh, Brood Brothers, who aren't even really core Gene Stealer cult, um, they get bonus stuff on their vehicles, and your your vehicles don't. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing. They, they get tough tanks. They get tanks with anti-air firepower. Uh, they get tanks with the best ballistic skill that you can get in uh, in in the Gene Stealer Cult. You can't get a, a, a three-up to hit on really anything outside of a couple snipers that have very, very, you know, small guns. Whereas the Astro Militarium, you can take a tank commander and it's got big guns and it hits well. And like I've said before, tank commanders are kind of broken. I don't, uh, I don't like how Lehman Russ tanks are just better when you make them tank commanders. Um, but there they are. And it's not just Brood Brothers, it's also Tyranids. There's a lot of things in the Tyranid Codex that if you want to make a, uh, an effective Gene Stealer Cult force, you need to kind of bring alongside these things. So I kind of dislike how um, the Gene Stealer cult is a very, uh, very incomplete list in terms of what you are and are not able to do. You can do some cool stuff with the cult. You can do amazingly cool stuff with the cult. But uh, the blind spots in the codex are, are just are just so large that. Um, it feels like you are really hamstrung into taking these other things, and I, I really, I really don't like that. I really hate that about having to take, about pretty much having to take Brood Brothers in order to make an effective list. Meanwhile, the things that I love about the cult, uh, man, there, there's so much that it was on. It was really a hard choice because there is a lot to love, but ultimately. I love the mechanics of them being sneaky. They do sneaky, kind of like nobody else does. So remember earlier, in an earlier uh, session, I was talking about 
um, Mechanicus having something that's like, hey, here are these guys that are normally really bad, or not really bad, that, that the idea of the Mechanicus should be, take these guys that are not good, right, they're, they're a little below good, um, and then activate a program, and suddenly, then they kind of get better. If it's the right program for the right situation, then it's then they're really good. Then they're actually above, they're hidden above their weight class. Um, that is Gene Steeler Cult, through and through. You get um, your these little guys that honestly are, are they're just bad. Like you would not want to be taking hordes and armies uh, of forces like what the Gene Steeler Cult takes. But the thing is, the cult can take them and use them in ways because they, they have absolute domination of the rules, the basic rules of the game. Um, such that they can make these guys that are really, really, really bad into things that are really, really, really good because they can use them in the precise way necessary in order to do very well with them. Uh, and that is a really cool cool mechanical thing. So whether it's, you know, uh, doing, doing, well, really, the, ultimately it's a plan generations in the making where you come in, you can move extra inches up and then charge, having such a uh, high chance at a charge and bonuses to charge as well for a bunch of their things. Giving yourself such a high chance to charge uh, successfully is good. Rock saws are effective. I think kind of overly effective. I don't know why they are my AP minus four makes no sense to me, but, uh, yeah, like there's a lot of things that, that are, are really good for them, uh, and are they're not good guys. Like a toughness three guy with five up save is not good, um, but they can put them right into the right situation where suddenly they are, and I think that is just the bee's knees. It's just the best. Uh, next up, we have got the Grey Knights. So Grey Knights, uh, it's really cool that they have an army truly an army of psychers. Mechanically, I, if you wanted to go with an army of psychers, um, Thousand Suns are fun, but Grey Knights is where you would want to be if that tickles your, your mechanical bone. And it's because every single unit can smite. And with Psychic Awakening now, they all smite at the uh, at a value of, of, of a Strength 2 smite, which is f just, which is phenomenal. Um, because that is the average roll, and the number of times that I've played games where I told you, where I tell you, I've got a bunch of smiters, and I do all kinds of smites, and it's just one damage, one damage, one damage, one damage, because I'm rolling D3s, and sometimes that just happens, uh, and you end up doing, like, way less than what you were hoping to get, uh, get out of it, uh, is very frustrating. So these guys just doing straight up two, it's really good, and they can actually, against a demon player, they get a straight up four now, as opposed to straight up three, because it's still three, but it's still plus one. So, that's really, mechanically, I think that's really cool. Uh, the main thing I hate about uh, the Grey Knights uh, is that it's kind of like the Custodes problem, where you just don't really have a whole lot of reason to take their troops. Now, you're, you're, you are way more forced into taking their troops than the Custodes are. Uh, because they have even less... They don't even have things like the Dawn Eagle Jet Bike guys. Uh, they really only have the Grey Knight and the Nemesis Force Armor. Uh, 
the chapter master in the Nemesis Force armor. So there's really that's the only thing you see from them. You don't really see any of their regular guys. They're just so points inefficient, uh, and so that's really you know that's really unfortunate. Uh, they're still just ultimately they are just Marines, and like I said with Plague Marines, Marines just aren't really that tough. Even if you act, even Plague Marines have higher toughness than them, and Plague Marines are not tough either. So these guys are also not tough, and also just end up dying. So there's just not much reason to take them. I mean, those guys. And that's the thing I hate, is that so when you see them, you see the really, really, really strong guy in the suit, and that's it, because he's the only useful guy in the Codex. Uh, and the Codex is so expensive of your guys, so you have so little reason to take other things, even if you could, even if they were worthwhile, um, you would still not often see the troops. Um, unless the troops were just phenomenal. And even then, then, it would become an army of two units. Like, it's just... Uh, the, the, the overall high point cost of the army just makes it not very visually diverse. Um, or even mechanically diverse. Harlequins. Harlequins are uh, another one of the armies that I wanted to play back when I heard about them, but there wasn't really rules. So again, when they were released, I played them. Uh, the thing that I dislike about them is the Death Jesters. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm pre-taking those words back right now. I have to say that right now because that's my current experience with them. Um, but I know that they have just gone a huge overhaul in Psychic Awakening, and I just haven't really seen how that plays out yet. And I fully expect Death Jesters now to be awesome. Uh, but as they were standing, mechanically they are doing really poorly. Uh, some people could use them very wisely, very smartly, but... Just not in a way that really seemed all that interesting. You know, staying back on an objective and to hold it a little bit, shoot with a pretty poor weapon, really. It was just a, a striking cannon most of the time. Uh, and it's, oh, look, you have a chance to take out their special weapon. Yeah, well, you actually got to kill them to do that, and that gun just would not kill them. Uh, but now they have some really much better weapons. And they have an ability that'll be like every hit against a horde unit now is three hits. That's going to massively increase how much damage you do. Um, and an exploding version that deals multiple extra mortal wounds again will be just very cool. I think that alone right there—that's the—that's the model I want to play because to me that takes up the idea of the Death Jester, where they find somebody really important in the enemy army, they shoot them, that guy explodes, um, and bio in a, in a bio weapon horror and freaks out everybody around them. And now they can do that. They can. There can be a squad of guys, 10 miles or more. They fire the one shot that has, uh, you know, good AP, good damage. So it's it's very, very likely to kill the one model. The one, and But because you're shooting a unit that has 10 or more guys, you take the ability where it's like that one shot, that one hit now does three hits. So it has potential to kill three guys in the squad rather than just one. And every time one of those three guys dies, deals an additional D3 mortal wounds to the squad. So you could end up killing something like three plus three D3 models in a squad. And that's going to just devastate their morale already. And then they get the minus two or whatever it is. Um, and now they are... that that Actually, I don't even know if they get that. No, they lose that when they switch out for it. Even so, we'll devastate their morale at that level. You might even just kill the squad. Um, 
but beforehand, that's just not what they did. And so it was really bad. It was really bad. Like, even if you killed one guy with the guy, and it's like, alright, they're at minus two their leadership. Total of minus three. Because they lost the one guy. Oh, they rolled a six. Well, their leadership not, so they're fine. Like, they just wouldn't do anything. So I hated them before. Um, but I love all the movement shenanigans that Harlequins get. They get all the movement in the world. To me, they are really the epitome. You know how those other times I was saying, like, Eldar, they kind of make the promise that, oh, he, here are these guys that are really strong, but, you know, if you catch them, they're weak. Um, but they, they're not that at all, right? I said that that's, that's a total lie. Um, and that's kind of a lie for a bunch of Dark Eldar stuff as well. Um, not so with Harlequins. Harlequins, you do catch them, they really do die. Like, they are, they are not tough guys at all. Uh, and their ways of making it that you can't engage them truly are. You are, it's not that you're, you can't, you know, hit them, or that you suddenly just don't wound, or they just have really high armor, or anything like that. It's like, no, you literally just you just can't fight them. Here's this guy, and he's got now this new this new ability too, right? Where it's like, hey, you're close to my guys, you're shooting at them, well, you're taking a penalty on your range to shoot them. Your your all of your ranges count as being what was it, 12 inches less, something like that. So you gotta get real close to them. Maybe it was just even six inches. Doesn't matter. Anything like that. You gotta now get closer to them than you otherwise wanted to, because this is a close combat army that can move very quickly. So the whole idea that you normally do is, I'm gonna stay far away. And these guys change that dynamic like that. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and But even beforehand, right? They move so fast and they're small, and they could kind of get in and out. They had the good fire, they had a fire invade, which I think for them just worked really, works more the wit intention, I think, of, eh, not really. I mean, just come out, shoot, back, back, and that's honestly what's the original intention. I just love it for this, where you come out, shoot, and get closer, <laughs> so that next turn you can actually get into them. Or you can jump in, attack them, bounce out of combat. Uh, that, again, very, very cool. Uh, so I'm going to leave that at where we are. Hopefully I get through this during the next uh, iteration, because this is getting long. So thanks for listening. Catch you on the next part. Part four. Alright, let's dive right in. So next up, we have got the Imperial Knights. Um, which I think they are I think the faction is Imperial Knights, not Adeptus Titanicus, which I think is something else. And which isn't one that I'm gonna cover anyways. But uh, Imperial Knights. What do I love? Well, okay, um, I, one of the things I really do, I really do enjoy is the Castle and Knight, but not for its size, or for its guns, for its lethality, no. The thing I love about the Castle and Knight is the giant, huge, mega-colossal explosion when it dies. <laughs> I love <clears throat> that this thing, when it topples over, it goes boom in the biggest of ways. And that you can even spend a, a special stratagem uh, to make it even more likely for it to go boom. And that is just so, so cool. Because um, a lot of vehicles in the game, 
don't really explode now. When they, and when they do, it, it is very much a surprise. Um, this thing, you know it's going to blow. And it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't always. But it, it, it has a, a surprisingly high chance of doing so. I think it's... Uh, you roll 2d6. And if the result is... like If either of the results are 6 it explodes. So, I mean, right there, that doubles your chances. But then there's also, like, if you roll the double six, then it, it becomes a huge, a super colossal explosion. And there's a stratum where I think it, you roll and it's on, uh, if either dice are a four up or something. Uh, and if they're both a four up, then it's super colossal. And so it's like, whoo boy, when it goes, it goes big. And when it's deep in your opponent's army and it goes... Uh, it, it can take out their whole army pretty much with it. It's not like, again, some of the other explosions where it explodes and that doesn't really have a terrible effect on the game, especially when it's like a backfield thing and they got a bunch of characters around and their characters all get hurt, but none of them die, but they're all characters that maybe you weren't really able to get to anyways. Um, that you weren't... you were, and, and once you shot them, they were just going to topple over and die anyways. And so again, it's kind of like, well that then that you know it feels a little anticlimactic this thing never <laughs> it, there is never a, a time that this explodes and just is like oh well i guess everyone's okay new no, new no, that's not gonna happen so i do find that really fun about this model uh the thing about imperial knights that i really dislike um is armies of knights mechanically and I'm in the minority. Okay, let me just very clearly state that um, most people really will enjoy it, uh, especially playing with it. Um, and so that that is a totally legitimate way to play, 100%. That's not my way though to play. Um, myself, I I just I love infantry games. I had I love having lots of models that are smaller models that are moving around. Um, now, Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights, they fix this to a large degree by including armatures in the army. So a mini knight, right? Which allows you to have a few more models on the field executing maneuvers and, and getting around to things that the big knights aren't able to. Um, because, yeah, facing down an, an army of these things where, again, it, it kind of feels, even though it's like, well, each knight is armed differently. So, you know, they, it's, this is a, a, this kind of knight, and this kind of knight, this kind of knight. It's like, okay. Again, outside of Forge World, you're looking at all the same knights. Um, there are a bunch that you can get from Forge World that are different. And the castle and also changed that up by being at least visually different. But... Um, for the most part, a lot of players, if they play a knight army, uh, in, oh, not now. Actually, now most players that play a, a full-out knight army honestly do bring a few of the different things. So that just feels better. Um, but I remember back in the day where it was literally just that one model type with different weapons. And that was your army. Just one model, copy-pasted, copy-pasted, copy-pasted. And that was not something that I like to see. Uh, so it's it is uh, they've done a great job. Not every player does choose to do that because you know there is expensive buying new models. 
that is the thing I dislike about Imperial Knights. Alright, Necrons. So, uh, one of the things I dislike about the Necrons, mechanically, uh, is the Monolith. I think the Monolith is just... It's got problems, man. And um, the Obelisk. But, I mean, you don't see the Obelisk as much in people's collections. And that's not... E again, that's not even to say... I think part of the reason for that is people... Uh, know that obelisks are, are awful, and they rather go with the Tesseract Vault, which is made with the exact same kit, um, which is, is kind of even cooler, like just visually cooler, so even if they don't know anything about the rules, they go with the Tesseract Vault as opposed to the obelisk and the Cetan by themselves, most of the time. Um, so that is one reason why you don't, but then also the rules for the obelisks are terrible. But the monolith, because you can only, when you buy the monolith, that's not, that's what you get. And the monolith is a cool model, so a lot of people buy and want to use the monolith. And they do so, and it is a, it's a disappointment. And even the very first time that I played 8th edition against Necrons, um, as we were learning what the new edition was about, my opponent brought a monolith, and my Jesus Joes just went up and ripped it down to shreds. And it's like, oh my god, this thing's going to be toughness 8, and it's got, you know, got a good number of guns. Oh, this thing's going to be scary. And then it just wasn't. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, it did some damage. Maybe it just needed to be played out longer. Well, it brings in guys. <clears throat> oh, but all you guys that were off to the side, at the, you know... You didn't. You, you brought in the monolith, and I was able to pounce on it and kill it in one turn. Oh, all those guys that are, are way on the tomb world—they're all dead, effectively. Oh, that that sucks. They've they've tried to repair a bunch of these problems by giving it, you know, a couple of stratagems that you can use. But the stratagems that you can use are better used on other models on other forces in your, uh, in the Necron faction, and, uh, they don't, they really don't address these core problems that the Monolith had, so, we're seeing that, uh, the Necrons are going to be getting a new style of Monolith, looks like it's going to be made from Blackstone, uh, that was spoiled in, in, in the image of all the new Necron stuff, and I think that's really cool, it's going to be really great, I hope, <laughs> I really hope. Because uh, Necron players deserve uh, a model that does something cool. Teleporting in Necrons from across the universe is really cool. Um, have you know the, the the model is imposing. It's one of the it is a standout model, and the fact that it does not see the play because. It sits in because it sits in players' collections. Most Necron players will have this model in their their collections, or even multiples of this model in their collections, but they just never see play. Is unfortunate. It really is. The thing I love about Necrons, though, um, I love quantum shields. So this is the thing I was saying before, where I was like, well, what does each? Um, you know, Necrons have the wheel back thing, the, the resurrection protocol. So that's tempting. I really do like those. But quantum shields, I, I think, mechanically, um, 
takes the cake for me because it, it does it does better things for the game. I feel um, I really like how it takes again what you normally expect for a game for the game to play out things that are normally good and then just reverses it and it makes it like huh now the thing that you would normally do isn't good so you got to come at it from a different angle and i think that's also very healthy for a competitive scene to have one faction that has one thing that everybody wants to do in usual situations and something that is very strong to do in usual situations and then presents it with something that is uh, it's very weak against and so normally you want to have high damage weapons in fact if you can get weapons that have a high rate of fire and have high damage you are just laughing um because that that is extremely potent but against quantum shields that's exactly what you don't want you want things that are very high rate of fire and like two damage two damage is the sweet spot one damage you're not usually you're, you just got too many wounds to kind of really chip through but uh two damage you can take out the necron vehicle pretty quickly like with not a ton of failed saves um but it also has almost no chance still of beating uh of beating the roll it's like having a six up save and even that when they use the quantum shield stratagem it's still then like a five up save which is great um yeah so uh, it's a it's a great ability and i think it's good for for the health of the game because then if for some reason those things some faction got released that had something that was too high on that and they were able to go out to a bunch of tournaments and that was kind of their main thing that that was extra broken and strong well necrons theoretically could then come out and uh challenge that so it's a, it's a built-in safety net by having that. I think it's good. Uh, assassins. Officio Assassinorum. An army of four models, and they make the list because they do have a regular. They have a regular codex. They have they have their own codex. Uh, even though it's really really tiny. <laughs> uh, the way that you can bring in. Uh, assassins into your regular Imperial army I think is the tits. I think it is a great way to do assassins uh, and it is the way that the, the demons wish they could be because the thing that I hate about demons about you know the, the demonic summoning it is this is the exact op this fixes every single problem um, for one, all the, the assassins are good. Okay? Which is, I think, important. Because you, you're having to do, you're having to spend something special. You're having to do something special to bring them in. Uh, two. Uh, they all, they all cost the same. And so, uh, you have maximum amount of choice. Alright? So that's, that's two things. So you're not... <clears throat> uh, trying to really plan out quite as well. You say, I'm planning to bring an assassin, I just don't know which one yet. Three. They are, and this is the big one, they are monstrously different. 
from each other in terms of what they do. Even though a lot of their base stats are, are exactly the same. Uh, the gear and the special rules that each of them has. The way they engage your opponent. The way they, they define a battle is um, is incredible. You know, so your opponent's got a bunch of characters providing auras that they try to, you know, they, they, they have to kind of move up with their force. Or, or characters that they'd like to not have hidden, tucked away. Well, take the Vindicar. And now they have to tuck them away. Otherwise, the Vindicar will just go pow and kill one or even two of them a turn, depending if they are how weak they are. That's uh, phenomenal. And it changes the way that your bone has to play. Uh, the Eversore Assassin is a, a beast in close combat against infantry. Uh, and he can, he can devastate squads of lighter infantry. Uh, just chew right through them. And if, if your opponent is relying on a close combat character, again, an Evasaur can absolutely devastate a single opposing character model by jumping in and going whole ham on them. Just slicing and dicing them to ribbon. So it becomes, an, for a very small points investment, you have a great counter charge option. Um, it's quite, it's really good. Your opponent just has big guns. A few big guns that hit really well. Well, maybe take the Kalexis. Or they have a bunch of psychers, a ton of psychers. Again, take the Kalexis. Uh, because it can't be hurt by psychics at all. Uh, so you can even put a, if they're a smite spam army, you, you can kind of put them up front. Uh, and first of all, they can't really shoot them that well because they only hit them on sixes. And then any second powers that they try to do to, you know, get them out of the way, um, he, he'll absorb every smite that your opponent sends at you. So very potent. And, uh, or, you know, big knight thing. It's like, well, I, I can, I'm trying to shoot at him so he doesn't come in and do bad things to the rest of my army, and I can't kill him. I can't, because he's only hit on sixes. My big, 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 powerful guns still have a limited number of shots. So, yeah, that's just really amazing. I love the way that they do that. Um, thing I, I find I don't like about Assassins is they're, since it's only four models in the army, and they are so specialized in how they change the game, um, I don't like it when you, if you're trying to bring it anything more than uh, a single assassin, uh, you you really do run into problems. Um, because generally, your assassins, they're, they're good, <clears throat> they're really good at the job you need them to do, but they're also really bad at the jobs you don't need them to do. Um, so if your opponent doesn't really care that they have to bury their characters, then the Vindicar Assassin, even though you're like, okay, I'll take him, but he ends up not really doing much for the, for the match. He shoots off a few wounds from a few other things, and that's all that really happens, and doesn't get his points back. The, uh, you know, Kalidus Assassin, your opponent uh, passes their, their roles and doesn't spend any extra command points. Uh, and their their main character again lies buried all game, and you can't really get to them. You can throw out the assassin and 
maybe they live, maybe they die, but it's, again, not a great thing. In the wrong situations, the assassins are very poor, and as it should be, uh, which, it, it's, which it makes them, again, which is kind of what makes them cool. Uh, but if you have to take an army, if you have to take a whole detachment of them, um, either you're taking a much bigger risk by taking multiples of... You have to start taking specific assassin types, and um, you're, you're taking a big risk bringing an assassin to a game that has... Or multiple assassins of the same type to a game that have no hope against your opponent. Or even if you're, you spread around, you take one of each assassin. Usually against an opponent, there's only just one or two assassins that are actually good. Sometimes just the one. And in that case, you're, you're buying three, two or three assassins that uh, have no place in that game. That That's that's rough. So that's why you really only see it the one way. And it's unfortunate. Orcs. Um, okay. So trying, having to start here with the reverse. Because I do like a lot about orcs. Uh, but one of the things I really dislike is... Um, specifically combining rerolls of bad moons with the ability daka 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 where you get bonus shots on sixes because the amount of rolling that every single orc in that army does is atrocious it's not even for like and first of all it does increase their overall um chances to hit to a level that i think is kind of unorky. Uh, but also, the majorly, it's because um, they they it just eats up so much time, and sometimes for so little effect, and you don't want to lose out on it. But it, it's it's there all the time, so it's like you know you roll thirty shots. Okay, well this many hit, this many miss. Well, there's this many ones. Roll, let's re-roll those. Okay, there's this many. Hit. Oh, the, it changed the amount of bonus attacks. Okay, now I now get the bonus attacks. I roll for them. All right, some of these hit, some of these miss. Oh, some of these misses. I gotta re-roll. Okay, re-roll those. And then, and that's just me talking about it. Actually, you're gonna roll fast. You're gonna roll slower than that. And you do that over and over and over and over and over. And it's annoying as hell. It eats up game time like you wouldn't believe. And it it, it grinds my gears. Uh, thing though that I love about orcs, if I have to just pick one, uh, I love orc boys. Uh, I think they're a great unit. Again, it, it's a, a model with a, a lot of power in a, in a small package. Um, they do so much, they form so much of the orcs game plan uh, because they just end up being where they need to be. They're rather resilient at, at their point's cost because of that toughness four, even though they have just t-shirt saves. Um, and it really does, and if you get them in, again, there are a number of opponents that those orc boys will just chop apart, even though they, they because they're reasonably strong close combat. Not It doesn't always feel that way, but they are. Uh, next up, Renegade Knights. So the, the Chaos version of the Knights, um, you know, a lot of it is the same as for the regular Imperial Knights. So, um, I'll try to get, I'll try to cover something else that I like actually kind of about both of them. Uh, so one of the things I love about Knights, and this now I'm, I am talking about Renegade Knights. Oh, it uh, looks like I'm just going to have to pause you guys there for a moment. 
And you know what? I think I will have to um, just edit this out. That's all I'll try to do. I'll just try to edit it out. Sausage and egg McMuffin morning meal? Unfortunately, right now we actually don't have sausage. Did you want bacon or ham instead? Uh, no thanks. In that case, I'll just take a large double double and that's it. Sorry about that. Not a problem. So that's 210 as a first set of windows. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, one of the things I really love about stomps, uh, about nights and stomps in general, is that how much improved stomps feel from the last editions. Uh, previously, stomps were really, really, really annoying. You put down blast templates, which don't exist any longer, um, and maybe in maybe in getting rid of the blast templates, they kind of were forced to thinking, oh, okay, well, let's just try and make it attacks instead, and it just works way better. Um, but yeah, you would put down the these blast templates, and I would trudge around through your enemy models, kind of like the idea that these blast templates are those stomping around, um, and that could cause damage. And if you rolled a six, then they just caused ridiculous amounts of damage. Your guys just died underneath them. There was just no chance to survive, and it was really weird when they could stomp something to death that was just as tall as they were, like a trigon. It, I, I hated it, hated it. Uh, but now stomps are—they're strong, but they're not universally strong. They don't all. They don't always have the punch necessary uh, to take on your opponent, and I think that's really good because it means that their regular weapons are still useful. Have a great day. Um, so you still may want a knight that has weapons other than the stomps <clears throat> because. You'll need to take on certain foes that the stomp simply aren't that effective against. So, uh, they, they just do way better now. I think they're just a way better designed uh, weapon. All, all knights are still going to be strong in close combat uh, against weak little griblies, but, and even against some not too weak griblies. Um, but if you really want to tackle some that, the, the, you know, the heavy hitters, you need to bring your actual knight weapons. Things I hate about them. Um, I really dislike that knights, all knights. That includes the armagers and the war, war dogs and everything. Um, if there's if, if they're a close combat kind of knight, and there's somebody that's on any model, any level other than the ground floor, other than something that they can get in base to base contact with, they can't engage. They are totally hampered, and it makes no sense to me that a knight that's three stories tall, that has the big sword, and that big sword is resting at that, you know, even maybe higher than the second level of the building, can't just jut that sword into the building and try to stab at the guys inside, and not even stab, but just rip it down, 
You know, it doesn't really make sense to me. And I think that's one of the reasons. I think this this one is probably a pet peeve for a lot of people. Because uh, they are saying that in 8th edition, that's going to be changing for your... Uh, not just vehicles, but for monsters too. And that, so that will apply to knights, and I think that's great. Because then they'll be able to actually fight people on those other floors. Which they couldn't before, and which was really odd when they couldn't. Even other models, like tall models, like the Avatar and stuff. It, so now they'll be able to, which I'll, I'll love, uh, but currently not being able to, I hate. Speaking of things I hate, Sisters of Battle. I'm just joking, I love the Sisters, but uh, I haven't fought them at all yet. So I don't really know what they do and don't do. Um, I've heard that they have something like a, a, a big army-wide bubble of invulnerable saves, and that sounds super crazy annoying. So I'd not like to fight that. But uh, other things, sure. You know, so I, I don't really have much to hate on them for, because I haven't fought them yet this edition. Uh, but I do really love the face mechanic. I, I just, I like the idea of it. I think it's a really, that sounds like a, a well-designed mechanic. And although there's some people that have had some bad experiences, it sounds kind of like maybe that's just from it, somebody getting really lucky on their rolls, uh, which they get to, they get to kind of use their luck. They get to actually kind of, in a way, uh, choose when to be lucky, whereas a bunch of us can't, right? We, we everybody gets lucky during the game, but a lot of times you're getting lucky at the wrong times, times that you really don't need it. It's like, yeah, I rolled, oh my god, half of my attacks were sixes. Well, I was already hitting on twos, and I was up against something that I'm going to just die to two attacks anyway, so it didn't matter, right? That kind of thing. Uh, they get to instead say, okay, I got, I got lucky on the faith rolls. Now I get to use that luck at the right time, and that can make all the difference. And that's why I also kind of love the ability, because it really... I can imagine that feeling very much um, like the Axe of Fate, like the way that they want to. It's like, okay, now finally I'm praying for a six. Well, I got a six. Thank you. So that to me just seems like, okay, that's it. That's the way I want to see this go forward. Let's get on out of here. There we go. All right. Uh... Space Marines. Wow, we're almost, we're almost done, folks. All right, Space Marines. Thing I love about Space Marines, I I love intercessors with bolt rifles or the stalker bolt rifle or the assault bolt rifle or whatever. I I really love intercessors with their basic guns and combined with doctrines. I think is is really really great. I mean. It is so strong. Um, intercessors are, are now a, a great unit. And it took a lot to get there. There was a time that they weren't. Um, but they are, they're, now, they're now in. They're now, uh, inex for what they do, very in, you know, they are inexpensive. Uh, they are able to... Uh, they're able to impact the game at a, at a long range uh, because all their guns are, are longer range than the uh, than their regular uh, than the 24 inches um, 
and at 24 inches, you know, you are a deployment zone a point apart. So it's not too hard to keep 24 inches between you if you need to. Uh, but that little bit more that they get makes it a lot more challenging. Um, so that's good. And they're tough because they have lots of wounds. And they hit hard in close combat because they have uh, more attacks each. So, yeah, they, they're, they're just a, a great... I think they're a great unit. And when they have doctrines so that they can um, have high AP, these bolters will cut into things. And I pray that to the Dark Gods that Chaos gets something similar. Um, if not... Like, I don't... I don't want... I, I honestly wouldn't even mind cha uh, Chaos Primaris. I honestly wouldn't. Uh, I think I think this is just... A, it's a good package for what they do right now. And of course, when they give them to Chaos, it'll suck. But... <laughs> uh, what do I hate about Space Marines? Same thing. Honestly, same thing I hate about uh, that for the Orcs. Um, all the rerolls. I, I hate that it's... You are rerolling all your hit rolls. You're rerolling all your wound rolls, all the time, everything. And it's just, and, and not necessarily from a chapter master or, or from a, uh, a lieutenant, because the strong stuff now even gets rid of those things. You don't even have to spend points on those now. No, now you, you spend points on a different thing. And oh, by the way, it's also this other model. So, uh, you know, it's that's some great points efficiency. But the annoying thing is all the rerolls, because it eats up a lot of time, and it just kind of feels like, okay, do they just want Space Marines to just go ahead and say, ballistic skill, they hit. Weapon skill, they hit. You know, do they want that? Because that's what's kind of feeling like. Because it, it is so, so many rerolls all the time on something that already hits well. Um, yeah, I, just that it's so ubiquitous. And it drags out the game. And I don't I don't care for it. Space Wolves. Alright, let me just check here. Uh, hate, love, hate, love. Okay, so I am going to actually switch this around. I'm going to start with what I love with Space Wolves. Space Wolves. Sagas. Um, I really like kind of the Beowulf theme uh, that... Uh, they've moved Space Wolves into, because they, they move it, it's like, okay, it's very close to Viking, very close to Space Viking, but um, making it specifically kind of in the Beowulf idea, I think just kind of opens things, uh, well, it narrows things down, actually, but at the same time, by being narrowed down, I think they also kind of open themselves up, because they, they, they say, okay, the Beowulf theme is a much stronger theme, than generic Viking, um, especially in terms of Beowulf is a man and, and, and Space Marines are men, right? So uh, it kind of gets that a little bit more, whereas Vikings is kind of more of people, right? Um, and Vikings weren't just about fighting, whereas Beowulf really is about fighting a lot <laughs> and fighting monsters, fighting heroic things. So I, I think there's there's a better concept with that. Um, so the sagas, I think, are a great extension of that kind of thinking. Again, you don't really think of sagas in terms of Vikings, but you do in terms of Beowulf, in, at least in my mind. Uh, because Beowulf was always kind of, you know, talking about his own 
great deeds, as opposed to um, Vikings that were maybe more of a raid, a raiding style force, raiding in, in boats and stuff like that, whereas Beowulf was about fighting these great deeds. Um, and I, I like how they, so it encourages these characters to lead from the front, uh, which is a risky place to be, and I like that style of play. I like seeing that style of play on the battlefield. And it's a great reward when you do get it off, that it, ex it confers a, a good bonus that's already good on one guy and confers it now suddenly to a bunch of people around them. And it doesn't necessarily play um, great with the way that the game tends to play, because especially Space Marines, because Space Marines have such good shooting. Um, that's kind of like, well, and, and close combat is risky for a more elite army, especially, because just the way that you, you need to move things around, the way that the game works does not, uh, uh, does not help out elite close combat armies very well. So the regular game kind of screws over Space Wolves, but I think the idea that the sagas bring mechanically is very, very cool. Thing I hate, this is going to be my, my one true complete exception from this whole list. I wanted to try to stick to the mechanical things, but this, this is so, I hate this so much, so much that I can't avoid it here. Uh, Logan Grimnar, Space Santa, ugh, ugh. I hate it. It's such a ter terrible model. It, it it's so silly, and I, I I like Logan Grimnar. Um, I think you know. I remember when he was the scary guy on the battlefield. It's like here's this guy in Terminator armor, armor with a big axe, and he gets you. He's gonna rip you a new one. And now he's Space Santa, and it's ugh. I can't take him seriously. I can't. I hate it. Tau, I hate shield drones. I think a lot of people do. Um, they absorb all damage, and it, 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 they'll they'll absorb shooting, close combat, psychic damage, explosions, um, acid rain, anything, any kind of damage, they'll take it, and. They will reduce it all to one. Um, there's a big harpoon shot from a, a huge knight that deals 10 damage. That deals one to the children. Oh, and it, it ignored it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. I, I think a lot of people dislike just how effective they are, because it also even absorbs special rules. It's like, oh, here's this thing that you shoot at the opponent, and if it hits, which it did, and because it, it even wounded, um, it, it gets, nope, the, the drone takes it, and now that special rule doesn't apply. Doesn't, doesn't carry through. I hate that. Hate it. Grr. Uh, what do I love for Tau? I love marker lights. I think the marker light system was, uh, they can be annoying. They can be very annoying, okay? Uh, there's a lot about the Tau I dislike. Um, but, and, and marker lights can be very annoying, but I also think that mechanically marker lights are very cool, especially because they have mostly, uh, gone ahead and said, all right, Tau, they, their leaders are not of the same kind of quality 
as some of the others in terms of um, they don't really give an aura effect very much. They can declare the monk taw and stuff like that. Um, but they don't do like, hey, here's this reroll bubble. Hey, here's this bubble. Hey, here's this. They don't do too much of that. And I like that. Um, and the marker lights are a great way of kind of counteracting that. So it's like, hey, we need the army to do better against this target. And now the army gets better. It, it gives it more of a space communism feel, which I, I think is good to have these different things. Not every army playing out the same way. And it's like, all right, here's... So yeah, uh, everybody works together to give everybody a bonus against one target. And I think that's Tau. That's the Tau way. So I like it. Thousand Suns. I love Magnus Red. I love all Primarchs, okay? And if I could go on I, I about other armies, Death Guard, Mortarian, I love them. Space Marines. Uh, Ruba Gulliman, love them. I, I love all the, the Primarchs, and if Games Workshop releases more Primarchs, they'll get more money from me. End of story. Um, yeah, he's got great... He's got... All the Primarchs have good rules, strong rules, clo great close combat hacks, a good way of getting in. They do interesting things. I love them. All Magnus of the whole Thousand Suns faction, my love for, for his rules and the way that he plays uh, in their list. It just plays the game. Because, again, you don't really tend to see. And this is the thing I hate about Thousand Suns. kind of feels like a three-model range. You'll hear that, that's kind of a common thing for me. When you when a, a, a faction has a very limited range of units that you see on the battlefield, uh, I, do, I don't like it. I like to see uh, an army. I don't, I don't like to see bits and pieces of an army, and all I see of Thousand Suns are bits and pieces, and I play Thousand Suns, and that's all I use them for. I, you know, Magnus, Araman, Demon Prince. On occasion, you see some other little sorcerers, but again, do you see Thousand Suns? Do you see Rubric Marines? No. Heck, you don't even see the, 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 their cultist guy. They, you don't see their special spawn. You don't see any of these other things, because they're just not good in most of the times. <laughs> um, Alright. Last one. And it's near dear to my heart, because it's the very first army I played. And they're the last ones on the list here. Which is, I think, good. I, I like that I'm going to end with them. Tyranids. And I'm going to start with what I hate about them, so that way I get to end with what I love. <laughs> uh, I hate for Tyranids that they have so few organic power abilities. It is a total crime of design, and I, I've i even expressed to Rhesus, and he even responded, which I was surprised, saying, I think Games Workshop doesn't have somebody in their office that really loves Tyranids the way that they love some of the other armies, because there's so much missing in terms of these organic powers. Uh, there's a single stratagem that lets you heal D3 wounds. And there's a stratagem that lets you push a unit's biology harder so that they move again and they can't shoot or charge after that move. And there's a chance that they take mortal wounds as they do that. Honestly, it feels like those are the only two abilities in the game that feel like they are organic. Like there's a shoot again stratagem. But it just is a shoot again strategy. Endless cacophony is a shoot again. There's other power. There, there are a number of things that just let you shoot again. 
and it doesn't but that doesn't feel organic it just feels like the unit is kind of being told to do something a little extra there are a bunch of, of abilities that are do a little extra fight on death and um, cast an extra power and so, like, but those those aren't tyranny those are just things you do uh, Tyranity is healing D3 wounds. It's like, hey, here's this alien biology that we're told is so incredibly advanced. And it gets to heal with this stratagem. I honestly think that you need to have a unit that's like an apothecary. The Turvagon. Give the Turvagon a healing power because it's already birthing units. Like, that's an actual ability. The ability, not just the stratagem, the ability there of, of birthing a new unit is a cool biological-like ability. That's good. But where is the... Hey, we have so many forces across this battlefield, we can just replace losses like nothing and take a, a unit of almost destroyed or destroyed Termagons and bring them back. Where's that stratagem? It doesn't exist. Where's the stratagem for Devourers where they shoot worms into your opponent's brains that, into your opponents and they burrow into their brains and, and make them go mad? Where's the stratagem that reflects that? There isn't. Where's the stratagem for a Barb Strangler that shoots... You know, a, a seed pod that explodes in growth. Uh, and that's what causes the damage. But then, previously, in every other edition of the game, did some kind of pinning effect because it was able to kind of grab and root things to the ground. Where's that stratagem for that? They, they don't have these. These aren't there. I don't care if they are good. Um... Uh, but Tyranids have a whole bunch of stratagems that are that are good. And honestly, to get rid of those, replace them with stratagems that at least feel organic. You know, and that's not there. So I, I hate that. Um, and Rhesus did say, no, there are people that love Tyranids there. Well, I hope he takes those that bit about organic powers and he brings it to them. Because there needs to be. Just that, that I in concept. Uh, lastly, a uh, thing I love, and this so this is going to be the last love for the whole thing, uh, Hive Commander ability for the Swarmlord. And I'm sure you understand why. I gotta get in. I gotta be done. Thank you all for listening. This has been a great, long, super long episode of covering the whole thing. The whole, all factions. Uh, this was Sudbury Scrub. Keep on working.